0: Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. All right, go ahead and move back to your seats. Welcome, everyone. Good to see you all. Good to see you all see a lot of new faces, which is always wonderful. Um, Welcome to City Beautiful Church, whether this is your first time or thousandth time. Um, You're very welcome. Uh, My name is Ryan, I'm pastor here, and we're currently in a series called A Pilgrimage of Unfolding Grace. Um, And what we're trying to do in this series is uh, to gain some language to understand our calling. And I think as Christians, we have a common purpose. We talk about it in different ways that we are you know the royal priesthood or we talk about being the hands and feet of Christ like that 's something that we all have in common. Um, but our calling is kind of the unique way in which each of us have been equipped um, to live out that purpose um, and what we 're doing is we 're examining it through three specific arenas by looking at our stories with God like what are the main points in our story where we see that the hand of God Um, has reached into our lives to change the trajectory of uh, what we've experienced in life. Today we're going to be talking about personality in the light of Christ, and then next week we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. And I'm really excited today to be uh, with my dear friend, Christina Ruiz. You know her, you love her. Give her a round of applause. How are you feeling? I'm
1: feeling good, but... I am nervous. It's, I've only done like what's happening before, but being up here and then the lights kept getting brighter. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> seriously, Jesus. Okay.
0: So um, so what we're going to do today, we're going to um, kind of like last week, keep a relatively loose, more conversational tone to what we're talking about. Um, and everybody in here I know has already started a note on their phone where they're taking notes and they're really bearing their souls before the Lord to say, Lord, show me my calling. I know you're already doing that, so I don't even need to encourage you to it. Um, but we're going to... Christina and I are going to talk a little bit about what we have learned about our personalities. And then at the end, we're going to have a Q&A. There's going to be a way for you to submit questions anonymously. So even as we're going, if there's things that kind of pop in your mind, by all means, jot those down, and then we're going we're to do a Q&A in a little bit. So um, here's kind of the, the premise for today, that personality is the realm of the sun, who comes to show us what it means to be fully human so we can call others into their full humanity. And one of my favorite things recently has been considering how, you know, Jesus comes to show us what God is really like. You know, as Christians, that's what we say, that, you know, you know the writer of Hebrews says, like, in many times and in many ways, God spoke through the prophets and through the scriptures, but in these last days, he's come to speak to us through the, the, his son, who is the, ex- the ex- image of God and the exact representation of his character, which is to say, we got these glimpses of what God is like through the Old Testament, through the prophets, through the scriptures, but now we know what he really looks like, and God really looks like Jesus, and God has always looked like Jesus, we just didn't always know that. But the other fascinating thing is that we also look to Jesus to realize what it means to be fully human. That in scripture, we call him the truly human one or the son of man. This is language that says, if you want to, yes, to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. But if you want to know what it looks like to be a whole and complete person, you also look to Jesus. Um, And that's one of the things we've talked about a lot in our community group is Jesus was always fully himself from moment to moment. You know, we take that for granted sometimes, but we look at him, the way he interacts with people, the way he speaks, the way he communes with God, he never loses his sense of self. And so he gives us this vision of like, this is what it looks like to be fully human. And so what we mean is personality being the realm of the sun is that we begin to open up our personalities uh, to the light of Christ that shines and reveals to us What are our best contributions to the world? What are our blind spots or our liabilities, the parts of us that are in need of redemption? But I hope today um, that we'll all recognize um, that God is not in the business of scrapping your personality, but in doing the hard work of redeeming it over time. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to read uh, together our, um, our main scripture today, which is going to be from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And um, after we read, as we've been doing customarily, we're going to leave a minute of silence for you just to sit in it and to say, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are you highlighting to me that might be the thing that I'm invited to dwell on? So let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we testify to the truth that you're here, um, that you are with us that you are for us, you are not against us. We thank you for the gift of Jesus, that not only do we look to him to know what you are truly like, but we also look to him to know who we are to become. And Lord, I pray today, even as we're kind of maneuvering some of the nuance of personality, um, that you would illuminate to each one of us how you've crafted us, who you've called us to be, um, the, the path uh, of healing and redemption that you've laid before each one of us that we might lay claim to this beautiful notion of salvation in such a personal and intimate way. So may the words of our lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be as ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're going to be reading First uh, Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12.
1: but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it.
0: So we're going to take one minute just to meditate on that scripture. Amen. So, um, as we often do, you know, this is a big part of what we do in our community groups, like Christina and I lead a group with a few of you. Um, we just sit and we just notice, you know, sometimes I think when God speaks to us, it's not always a conclusion, but there's an invitation, right? Um, that something is highlighted, maybe it's a word or a phrase, or it gives you this visual. And and God is saying like, I want you to sit here for a moment and just allow that to reveal itself to you. So. Um, in that spirit, uh, Christina, what's hitting you on this reading of this passage?
1: Yeah, so um, it, a lot, it's been in media a lot, but the work that I've done has been a lot of diversity and inclusion, and it's, it's, it's changed names to diversity, inclusion, and belonging, and things like that. But to me, this verse is the exact diversity and inclusion. It's that we are all different parts of this body, but we are all included in this one body. And it just, I was reading it yesterday and it just struck me. I mean, verse 18, I was like, it screams, we all belong, we all belong. And even if you think you don't, like don't let anybody tell you otherwise, because we do. We're all here in this, like, in this body and then in the extended body of Christ. And there's like this interdependence where like, we complement each other and like, what a beautiful point to get to, like as a community. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier this week as well, that like, you know, unity and diversity being primary values of our community, um, but how necessary they are for one another. Because I think for a lot of us, and maybe for some of you that grew up in church, any call to unity is usually called to uniformity, right? Because that's... Let's be honest, uniformity is much easier. You're required to look the same way, think the same way, feel the same way, dress the same way, or whatever it might be. We have to believe all the same things um, in order to maintain a sense of cohesiveness. Um, I remember a few years ago someone suggesting that we need to put everything that we believe as a church on the website so that people know what to expect before they come in here, and I'm like, we barely agree on even following Jesus in this church, let alone, like, you know, like, are they getting down to the particulars of, like, are we pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, you know, what's our thought on the rapture or, uh, you know, nuclear disarmament or whatever, but um, you can find those extremes where there's, like, uniformity on the one side, um which is not what we're called to, um, but then a diversity that has no unity in it, like there's no commonality, there's no, there's no common touch point. And that's where we become tribal and we begin to find ourselves increasingly um, siloed into these smaller and smaller units. I mean, that's I think what we see a lot in our society today, right? It's like there are so many labels, definitions, expectations, creeds that we're being splintered because there's no common narrative to hold us together. Um, and so diversity without any sense of, con- uh, you know, of uh, unity uh, just brings us to that place of tribalism. So there's this beautiful creative tension, I think, in what it means to be part of the body of Christ, which is to mean that Christ is at the head. And So what we want to do today, talk a little bit about the difference between identity and personality. And then we're going to talk about what it looks like for our personalities to be redeemed. And as I said at the end, there's going to be a time for Q&A, because obviously this is a huge topic. There's so much we could talk about, some of which I talk about in my book on sale out there, $14. You can Venmo me, Um, getting on that bestseller list by hook or by crook. but, you know, there's so much here for us to talk about, uh, and we, we will continue on this conversation, but it's just a really great touch point. So, number one, this is how I would kind of separate out identity and personality. Um, your identity is the eternal, unchanging truth that you are God's beloved, which is what it, we mean when we say you are in Christ. You cannot perform your identity, you cannot achieve your identity, you cannot even construct your identity. It is a gift that you have received from God, and your life is about learning how to receive that which is freely given, which is very, very hard to do. and if that's what your identity is, then your personality is the unique way that you think, feel, and act in your attempt to reclaim love. Um, and that kind of ebbs and flows from, from day to day. Okay? So that's what, your personality is this unique pattern in how you think, feel, and act. So like I said, it's, a, it's akin to the difference between purpose and calling. We all have the same purpose as followers of Jesus, but our calling within that's a little bit different depending on how we're crafted. Um, and so most experts, you know, my, my background is in education. How many of you are educators? So you're probably getting, getting a little, is that a little hype, like Kate Watson, like, yeah, educators. Um, yeah, you know, in childhood development, there's always this question of like, well, are we a product of nature or nurture, right? Like who we are, is that in our genes before we were born? Or is it something that is a response to our families of origin or culture of origin? Some of those things we talked about last week. And most experts agree it's a little bit of both. Um, that you were, uh, you were born into this world with a certain predisposition. And as you experienced... Um, a degree of loss and separation in those early years of ch- of childhood, um, you developed techniques on how to reclaim a love that you once had that was so immediate. When you when you were like when you were in the womb, all your needs were being provided. It was very nice, and you enjoyed it. And then you were born, which is a gen- generally traumatic uh, experience. I don't recommend it. Um, and all of a sudden, you don't get your needs met. Right? It's like, well, everything was just there, and now I have to like say what I want but you can't and so you cry and you're trying to reclaim that sense of love and so your personality forms from about one year to about five years old um, as an attempt to reclaim that sense of lost love and love means different things for each of us for some people it means a security that's how we define love for some of us it's affection or admiration for others it's a sense of empowerment Um, but what we begin to recognize over time is like these techniques that we've created, how to get love from other people, um, they only get us so far, which is usually till about the age of 18. And then you get out into the world and you keep acting like a child and the things that worked on your mom don't work on your college professors or your boss. And you begin to realize like, wow, my personality isn't serviced me as much as I thought. And problematically what happens, especially and I think in our modern culture because we're in this identity crisis in the West, is that we begin to believe that our personality is our true self, like that's who we really are. And we make a lot of excuses for the way we move through the world based on our personality without even questioning whether or not Our personality might be the very thing that God wants to redeem. And I love that um, the Enneagram teacher Ian Cron said, your personality is the story that you tell yourself that runs contrary to the story of grace. And so when our personalities become the way we're trying to earn something, prove something, behave our way into good graces, uh, we are cutting ourselves off to receiving that grace of God that says that we are the beloved in whom God is already well pleased. Um, and so that brings us to like, the importance of self-awareness, which I've said you know, I think is God's greatest gift to us, is to become self-aware. And something that I often get asked when I teach on personalities, well, I don't like who I am, can I change that? And you say, well, many ways, no. Uh, because you cannot change your personality, but by grace, you can learn to steward it well. You cannot change your personality. These things are part of who you are. They're not the core. Um, But you can learn how to steward your personality well. So, um, Christina, how have you come to understand your personality, whether it's kind of how you see the world, the energy that you put out into the world, what drains you, what sustains you?
1: Yeah, so specifically that energy, which um, was something that I... The Enneagram gave me good context for this, and then um, doing some other like personality assessments that you might do through work, like MBTI or DISC or anything like those. Um, although DISC is behaviors, but I would put behaviors under personality. Um, I have a lot of energy and enthusiasm that I bring to rooms and realize that sometimes that may not be received as well as I would like and um or it's not that it's not received well it's just not received not that it's good or bad and so i feel like learning more about that part of me help give me context for other people cuz somebody may be more contemplative maybe more of an observer and um I say a lot of what I'm thinking, and through this time of like learning to steward the personality well is um, uh, finding like a time and a place and being able to honor um, that part of me and being proud of it, but then also honoring how somebody else might show up. And it's been like a really beautiful discovery for me. I also know that talking of family of origin, um, the two things I can say about my mom and my dad uh, my pops is here today. Hey. <laughs> um, mom, always like just inclusion. It was always a, everybody was welcome and everybody was good and everybody was interesting. My mom, like everything's interesting to my mom. Um, and I think I get this from my dad that just giving people the benefit of the doubt. And so having... Um, that just kind of in my, my heart and the way I've interacted with people growing up. Um, I just, I find it really easy to be accepting of people and then also to kind of see the humanity of the person and, and learn to love through that.
0: Yeah. And I love that you, you often you're, you're vociferous in insisting that the thirties have been the best decade.
1: Oh, yeah. And a
0: large part of that is because of self-awareness, right?
1: Yes. uh, You know, okay, so Ryan talks about his book. He also has a podcast that accompanies his book. um, And he's...
0: I mean, I don't know if we need another white man that has a podcast, but (laughs) I have two. (laughs) Well,
1: you're right. But thankfully, you bring guests on that do not fit that bill. So... um, so actually, I, I, I wish she was here. I want to talk to her more about it, but Kristen Blommel was on there and she's like an expert in Myers-Briggs and she talked about, this really resonated with me, like the self-awareness uh, gave me permission to be me. So I think you guys talked about how a lot of people don't like to learn about their personality from assessments because it kind of puts them in this box um, But for me, I love it. I, I love it. I want you to tell me who I am and then um, Having that permission to be me and as I've gotten older that's become more true. So in the 20s, I I really battled a lot with that, like um, being authentic and um, now just kind of in my 30s, I'm like, no, this is the best. This is the best decade. I'm looking forward to the 40s. I always say, I think it's just gonna get better. I don't know if that's universal for everyone, but I I say that it is and Ryan knows how I feel about my age and I'm just happy to be here.
0: (laughs) We're all happy you're here too. Um, yeah, especially Stephen. Um, I used to tell people that I don't get road rage. I get road sadness.
1: <laughs> that's, that's very you.
0: That's very me, yeah. Someone cut me off and you'd be like, wow. Wow, I'm so sad right now. <laughs> and I'm sure that person didn't see me, and that's okay. Uh, and it wasn't until I started doing work around personality about seven years ago that I recognized, wow, I'm actually a very, very angry person. Um, But I fall asleep and bury that anger because I'm a good Christian boy. And good Christian boys and girls don't get angry, right? And it was a misappropriation maybe of this verse where Paul says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Well, if I'm never angry, well, then I'll never sin. I don't have to worry about it. But I think in that there was actually an invitation to feel fully and then to bring those feelings before the Lord and have him speak into it so that things are resolved. And what I learned about my person, you're one of the highest energy types um, in, the, in the Enneagram, is something that we've both used. I'm one of the lowest, uh, so I don't have a whole lot of energy each day. Um, I'm not a go-getter, I'm not, uh, I don't have a lot of aspirations which is why I like being your friend because you have them on my behalf.
1: This is confusing though because you have two podcasts and a book. Well, this is, <laughs> this, a is a result,
0: this is a result of a lot of personal work. Like literally, uh, this was like, I don't know, six years ago when um, the person that I was co-pastoring with, they moved on to do something else. They're about, about six months and the elders came to me and they're like, hey, you're the guy. So like we, we believe in you, but you got to lead us somewhere. Where are we going? And I was like, Oh, I am the guy. <laughs> like, it never occurred to me, like, I, now I'm responsible, you know? Um, and so, it's just, that's just, like, one little insight into my own personality. For me, it's been very much about waking up to my own uh, desires, uh, my dreams and aspirations, and trying to, to bring those things before the Lord, to ask, like, you know, I, I would be someone who I think a lot of my life would more kind of, like, pull away, or kind of close things off and say, no, 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 let's just keep coloring in the lines, just like, just don't get yourself too out in front where, you know, people can see you, Um, just like, let's be agreeable and kind of go along. Like, many of you will know this, if you sit with me in spiritual direction, I sit there and I smile and nod at you, and you think that I'm agreeing with you, and that's adorable. Um, I'm affirming your presence to me, and I'm thinking this person is completely wrong in what they're saying. But that's like a kind of part of my personality as well, and I'm also learning uh, to, to steward. Yeah, it's like, and that's what I mean. Is like, you know, our personalities, they ebb and flow from day to day to day. Like for us to peg our identity on that is really dangerous. But we begin to ask questions like, well, what does it look like for me to be healthy? How do I grow? Like, my personality isn't a category that I live in, but it's an invitation uh, to become more mature, and that's when we begin to look to Christ. So by looking to Jesus, we can open up our personalities to see what needs to be redeemed so that we might look more like him. And I love that word, redeemed. Um, to deem something is to give it value. It's like a, it's almost like a, like, a, like a monetary word, when we deem something this necessary, we deem it valuable. So to be redeemed is to give new value to something that's already there. And I think when God promised Noah and by extension all of humanity, like, I'm never going to destroy the earth again, that's a promise that we live in today, that God is not going to destroy who you are to make you look more like Jesus. But that God does the meticulous work of helping to redeem who you are in all your personality quirks. And to bring your, your, your personality into the kingdom so that the things that are already naturally kind of a part of the quality of God uh, are amplified and they grow and they flourish. And some of those things that are blind spots where they hold you back, um, where it's a bit of a liability. Maybe you hurt yourself, you hurt, your other, hurt other people. This is what we call sin. Like those things begin to be worked out of us. Um, and I love this mysterious line in the letter of 1 John where the writers say, dear friends, now we are children of God. So there's our identity, right? Like we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. How strange. Now we're children of God, but what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So purification being another kind of word that we add to that that vision of salvation, that God is redeeming us day by day to look more like Jesus. And again, that doesn't mean uniformity, um, but that our our diversity of personality is unified in him. Um, So Christina, um, what is one... Aspect of your personality that maybe you'd consider a, a pitfall that you really needed to see redeemed.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I care a lot about what people people think about me, um, and being seen as like um, successful and. Like achieving things, achieving the thing, but by the world standards. So, um, having the right job, getting the promotion—not um, necessarily like a lot of material things. Although I do um, not go out in pajamas. Like that's. Have you ever been to a high school lately, Katie? I mean, that's the look. I just don't get it, but. Um, So yeah, just kind of relying on my performance and what other people say about me and not truly living in that belovedness. And I love this idea of redemption because um, I've said this for many years, I think there's redemption in everything. That's just like a tagline I have. And I feel like for anybody um, to feel like they're not in the place where they're accepted or that they're whole, but. The reality is true. Our identity is that we are God's beloved. And so I hope that as you're, as you're asking me these questions, I'm like, man, I'm kind of put in a hot, hot seat, like, Christina, what personality traits need to be redeemed? It's like, it's okay. I hope that in my answer that it's giving permission to feel uh, vulnerable.
0: Well, because one of my dreams for our whole community is that you could walk up to any person who's part of this church and to say, what are your pitfalls and what are your best contributions? And everybody would just be able to say it because I think to own like our shortcomings, our pitfalls um, without shame, just to be like, yeah, here's the things that I struggle with that God's working me through. You know, and just to offer that to one another, I think for all, many of us would be just so relieving, right? You're just like, oh, you mean I'm not the only one? Because this is what often happens is that the enemy convinces you that you are the only person that struggles with the thing that you struggle with. And it keeps us, and that's what shame and guilt do, right? It's like it keeps us isolated from one another. So this vision that Paul is giving us of the body of Christ. It's to say, nope, tuck it away hide it away, nobody else struggles with that thing, you're all alone. Um, But when we boldly own kind of uh, the shadow side of our personalities um, and recognize that we're all works in progress and we offer that to one another, that becomes part of what binds us together. And then I think when we also share our gifts, I think sometimes to be vulnerable is also to share our hopes and dreams and our gifts. Um, we re- we begin to recognize like that tremendous diversity that speaks to um, a God who is more than any of us can just capture within ourselves. Um, so, do you, do you have language then for like your? quote-unquote part in the body of Christ? Because that's a lot of what Paul's talking about here in Corinthians is like, you know, hands and feet and parts that we think have honor but are okay and parts that we don't think have very much honor that actually have more than we think. Because I And I love that bit because he's, he's saying like, all of your human metrics of who's valuable and who's not are not part of the church. Yeah. Um, so like, what part of the body do you see yourself being?
1: Actually, I, I kind of on that point, um, I really loved verses 23 through 25 where it's talking about those parts that we don't think are valuable, but um, but then it just, it gets to the part. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. And with it, if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And it just made me think that because we are all part of one body, that there is there needs to be a safe space people to kind of be in that place that a part that's less honorable or that is honorable but we're all still part of the body and that truth doesn't go away um, but then to answer your question if I were going to give like body parts
0: <laughs> well you don't have to literally say like <laughs> no, oh no, I'm like an that, appendix the visual
1: I like it like I just think what would you say?
0: an appendix I don't oh. know I just picked a body part well,
1: I don't have one anymore so oh. <laughs> wow. I have the scar Why don't you bring that up? <laughs> Kind of rude. <laughs> so um, I would say arms um, and voice. And this is where, and it's like the part that needs to be redeemed, and talking about like my 20s to my, um, to being in my 30s. Um, I say arms because I remember there was always a part of me, like when I would be hanging out with friends, I would want all of my friends to be there. And you kind of have different friend groups. You have your work friends, you have like your best friends, you have your current friends. And then I would want everybody to be there. And I kind of always feel like that. Like, all, it's all a good time. It's all, it. everybody wants to come. Both Steven and my dad are both like that. Like, everybody come. And uh, I think as I've maybe gotten older, you say've you've, you've become like a little more curmudgeony:
0: I think I'm giving myself permission to like be it on the outside what I've always been on the inside.
1: Okay <laughs> Well, I've gotten a little more tough. Tired, like that's almost exhausting to me. But I don't want that to be. I w- I want to continue to be one that's welcoming, and also I used to be really, really vocal about what I thought and what I believed. But I have become more self-conscious, and so like I would say like I'm the arms and I'm the mouth or the voice. Um, but having thought about that in light of the scripture and and in light of being redeemed. Um, I'm like, wow, I wonder if I really need to revisit those and say, am I actually living as like the truest version of myself? Am I still being welcoming and loving? Am I still speaking up for what I think is right and what needs to be said?
0: I think that's really important because a lot of times like, our, our, our best contribution to the world... That, that's a result of, of who we are. It's really close to a lot. Like our, our best contribution or liability are almost the same thing. That self-awareness is the difference and bringing those things before the Lord. Because sometimes we do the best things for the wrong intentions. And... um and, and, and the people around us will applaud that. So those of you who like have a servant's heart, you know this, right? Like you love to serve people and you know on some deep level, there's a part of you that does it because you have an expected return on investment. Like you love people so that they'll appreciate you, right? You know this about yourself. None of the rest of us do. So when you show up and you serve and you do all the things, we applaud it because it works for us. Um, and that's the, the the work of self-awareness. Is like God will enter into that part of your personality and he won't stop you from being a generous person or service oriented person but he says let's let's really deal with the heart of the matter like why you serve so that we, we serve one another with more freedom this is another example like how many of you I like to do this every once in a while how many of you would say you're introverts okay how many of you're extroverts okay it's probably like i don't know 70 30 maybe yeah ambiverts or nonverts ambivert um, well yeah So that's another example. I think a lot of times introverts are afraid that God is going to make them extrovert, and extroverts are afraid that God's going to make them introvert. Right? Uh, And that's not true. Like I think we can look to God and we see, we see introversion and extroversion in their full health. But part of that health means, you know, for introverts to learn how to engage with people and to give a little bit more energy than you think you might have. That's where the grace comes in. And for extroverts to recognize the value of the quiet and self-reflection and those sorts of things. You know, like, that's, we, we, I think we kind of love labeling ourselves in a way that we have excuses and not reasons for growth. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's the value of starting to name these things and being like, oh, yeah, these are the things, this is where I trip myself up in my own personality, where I hurt myself, I hurt other people. Um, maybe I break God's heart. Um, but here's also my best contributions in the way in which I hate this language of God using us. You're not a tool to God. He's <laughs> like, God's really going to use you someday or God's going to use that thing. It's like, that's a horrible way to speak of, of our father. But um, God... God works alongside of us in the gifts that he 's given us to do really wonderful things for the kingdom, and it begins to speak to our best contributions in our calling when we 're like oh i'm this is this is the way that I present to the world in the name of Jesus you know these are the things that I have to offer so um okay i want to I want to pivot to a q and a so let's um, Robert skip to the So we're going to try something, slido.com, this is a way for you to put in anonymous questions. So pull out your cellular devices, go to slido.com, and then enter that event number. And um, if any questions about personality, um, whether you want to address them to one of us or you want us just to talk about it, you can do that. So I'm going to give you about 30 seconds uh, to go ahead and, and submit a question. All right, great so you guys can keep submitting um, got a few questions here uh, number one what gives you the right <laughs> did I put that one or is that one no this was a, this was a new one I am, it says anonymous so we won't name somebody on that But we have this ongoing joke in our community of like I have a question who do you think you
1: are
0: how dare you <laughs> how, da- how do you dare you <laughs> Michael Scott I hate so much of what you choose to be <laughs> terrible. Um, this is actually a really cool question. Um, how much overlap is there between your definition of personality and attachment theory? So um, attachment theory, for those of you don't, who don't know, it's about the, the way in which uh, you're naturally oriented to connect with other people. Um, it's usually, again, a result of like your, uh, the way you were brought up, like your relationship to your parents. Um, again, so this is where like personality and story connect. We talked about story last week and you have a setting to your story, your family of origin. Uh, but then the plot is more dynamic and that's the way you're moving through life with God. So um, I do think that there's a pretty decent overlap between your personality and your attachment style. So um, if I remember them all, um, there's a secure attachment, which is like a good, healthy um, connection with somebody else without losing your sense of self. Um, that's really tricky. There's um, anxious attachment, where you gravitate towards somebody uh, in a way that you actually lose your sense of self in the other person, and then avoidant, which is where you retain your sense of self you, by pulling away from the relationship. Is that all of the, te- I know there's more. I'm looking. Disorganized? What's that one mean, Kate? Uh, yeah, that's the way I've heard it. You're right, anxious avoidant. So um, I think that's very much, again, there's a pattern there. Like your personality is a series of patterns. So when you begin to recognize how you relate to other people in relationship, that's, that's a result of your personality. Because what you're doing is you're interpreting in real time, what do I need in order to feel secure, to feel um, affirmed, to feel empowered? Um, ooh. Ooh. This one might be good for you to talk. What's the difference between masks and personality? Uh, the mask I wear is I'm fine. I don't need help, uh, which is a first child mentality or an imposter
1: syndrome. I mean, so I'll just I'll speak in my own um, experience. I think your truest self, you know, your truest self. So if it's a feeling that's coming from that that place or an action that's coming from that place, I think you'll know. But then I also think um, maybe the right person, so you would have a mask, like I would have a mask with my boss, but I would not have a mask with you. And so, um, yeah, the mask is, You're saying it's me. Enneagram, I'm a three, if you haven't already figured that out. And so it would be very likely for me to put on masks and to fit in a situation where I need to fit. Um, And my truest personality shows up when I feel safe in the right places.
0: That's good. Um, These two, I think, are kind of related. Um, if we're coming to the realization we have diminished our natural talents, dishonoring the parts, where do we start learning to use them as strengths? And then um, second, what if we feel lost about who we are? How do we get back to that? So I think these are both really good related questions. Um, People who have been part of this community for five minutes will know what I'm about to say is your, your entire spiritual formation is defined by Uh, claiming your belovedness, okay, Um, which is to claim the truth of your identity that when God, um, you know, in the moment of Jesus' baptism says, this is my son whom I love, and him I am well pleased, before Jesus does anything, Jesus begins to act out, live out his calling as a result of the declaration of belovedness. For us to be in Christ is to follow that same pattern. And so, before, I, I, I would actually go so far as to say to try to discover who you really are without any grounding of your true identity or belovedness will mean that you, you become a caricature and you make your personality your identity. So developing um, like spiritual rhythms and disciplines that help you to enter into the space where you learn how to live as, as God's beloved child when you come back out of that space, you will begin to naturally recognize that the way you're moving through the world, how you're thinking about relationships and jobs and people and how you feel, like the feelings that come up out of that are dramatically different, and you will see what those things really are more kind of as a surface self. You know, I've told this story before, but um, I don't claim too many kind of visions from the Lord, but years ago, we were getting ready to do baptism Or sorry, not baptism. Communion, and I was kind of standing in the back preparing. And how many of you are from up north? You know what snow looks like, okay? So I we lived in Michigan for a time, and it was actual three feet of snow, kind of situation. And uh, you know, we would go outside to play. In the '90s, it was a very big deal just to go outside and play. And you just show up for dinner, right? You just went out to play. Uh, Now it's called free range parenting. We need a name for it, but it's just parenting back in the day. Um, You know, and as you guys that grew up in the north, you know, you put on your thermal underwear and then you put on your like jeans and then you put on like your snow pants and then you put on your boots and then you put on your jacket and your gloves and your scarf and your hat and then you go out to play and then you get called in for for dinner and what do you do you stand in the mudroom and you peel all of that off and a lot of times like in the winter we were sitting at the dinner table like in our skivvies like having our dinner you know it's like we're in a thermal underwear cuz you have to dry off and the Lord reminded me of this. He said, this is what it's like when you come into my presence, when you come to communion, is you have to peel off all these things that aren't who you really are. Your relationships, um, your job performance, your, your likes and dislikes, even a lot of, you know, in our era of identity politics, all the societal categorizations that you've been given of who, who you're supposed to be. You have to peel all of that off when you come into the presence of, of Abba in order to sup with him. And then when we get up from the dinner table and we go back out, yeah, we put some of that stuff back on, like that's a reality of who you are, but it's not the really real thing. And so I think for both of those questions, I think that's the real challenge, is to learn from the place of intimacy what it means to be the beloved, and then to, to examine our personalities and how we move, and just that self-observation to go, ah, this is how I kind of move through the world. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, what's the be- best path? What is the best path forward? If you or a loved one make their personality their identity. Do you want to? This is not something Stephen struggles with, I'm sure. But <laughs> But do you want to? Do you have anything you want to say about that? What's the best path path forward if you or a loved one make their personality their identity? Oh,
1: man. I think we all, I mean, the basic human need is safety and security. There's things that provide that. So there's um, relationship. In communion with others, and then there's also like just like physical things, shelter and things. But I don't think anybody can truly be themselves unless they feel safe. So I would say, it, as a as a, a participant in it, be a safe space, yeah. and maybe help highlight safety. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. If I feel like if i am ramble, if I just elaborate, but I, that, that's it. Just be yeah, safe space. It's
0: really reminding somebody that they're okay and that they're enough and they belong. Because yeah. we'll, this is what we do a lot of times. We'll just flip through the masks and keep performing to be like, hey, I need you to love me. I need you, like, because we don't believe that we're enough the way we are. And I think in relationship, especially to, to look at someone and be like, N- I don't need you to perform for this. Like, you're okay. You're here. You're already here. You know, like, that's, I think what, like, so it's, it's, I think in some way, taking the time to ask, what would be the thing that I wish that I had heard that would have made me feel truly loved? And to know that that's probably the thing that God is speaking to the deepest part of my heart. Um, but in relationship, in relational love, for us to extend that to one another and to say, you don't need to perform to be here. You don't need to prove why you deserve a seat at the table.
1: I think that's a really cool thing too about self-awareness is you learn that about yourself, so you answer that question for yourself and then um, through that discovery you can, um, it gives you more context for relationship and interaction with others so then you're able to um, like usher in that same question.
0: Yeah. Um, How is your Enneagram or personality type incorporated into your faith and walk with Jesus? I think it has saved my faith in many ways. Honestly, um, you know, Enneagram or any of these personality systems—they're just—it's just words. It's just a way of kind of having language for something. It's not magic. You know, it's, we talk about it all the time—it's a diagnosis. It's not a cure. It's probably not of the devil, um, as far as we know. Um, but I think to take this general idea—that I think a lot of times. You know, we're coming out of an era of evangelicalism, which was like very big on like personal salvation. Like you say the prayer, like you are you're saved, which is all true, but it was so general. What it kind of ended up meaning was like you have to keep getting saved over and over again until you die, and then you go to this place called heaven. Um, And there's no, there was no like personal like what does it actually look like for me to be saved? And I think we should all be able to articulate that. And I think that's where personality comes in. Like, so for me, um, a lot of the work of Jesus in my life has been to say, like, I see you and I value you in a way that I I want you to have your own thoughts and feelings, you know, I talked about, like, both my my spiritual director and my therapist, at the same time when I started with them, they're like, what do you want? And can you trust that what you want is there because you've been shaped by Jesus over time. Now, I would have never given myself permission to ask myself what I want. Now, some of you have no problem with that. That's actually the problem, is that you are a little too assertive in what you want, and maybe you need to scale back. For me, it was the other way. And that was such a revelation to say, wow, like I have been shaped by Jesus. So maybe my desires aren't that far off from what his desires are. And so that kind of specificity, I think, helps give us language for moving forward in our relationship with Jesus um, that goes beyond just a general, like, pray this prayer when you're 15 and then just cruise for the next 70 years. And um, we'll do maybe one more, and then um, these are some great questions, so maybe we'll do some follow-up stuff. But um, uh, we'll do one more, and then uh, we'll invite the the band up. Um, can you talk a little bit about vocation in light of personality? Ooh. I think you'd be really good at that one.
1: Ooh, I love that. Um How many people have like considered that? Like the job that you're gonna choose based on the the way that you show up and like who you are as a person? Yeah. Um, has anybody like sh- struggled with that bit? Like you're kind of in a job, you're not really feeling like it's like fulfilling and it matches who you are and okay. Um, <sighs> uh, so I think I've Gosh, I've been God's so faithful, and I've been very fortunate to where um, maybe it's just 'cause I have a big mouth. So I say like what I want and like how I want to, what I want to achieve, and like. asking for what I want. Um, but I think that there's like a really cool thing that you can do and a lot of it for me had to do with the work of like, what do I value? Um, what are things that I'm naturally passionate about? And like, not even specifically about the job or the work, but what am I passionate about? And um, what are some natural skills or things that I can move into easily? And it's kind of finding that intersection is a really great path to, um, to finding like a vocation or a career. Um, and I think those things make up your personality. I mean, like it, it's a reflection of what you value. It's a reflection of the things that you genuinely care about, things that you're passionate about. And then um, what are you good at? And, like, being able to, like, um, again, finding a safe place, bouncing that off some people who know you and who can speak life into you, and then um, finding that next step. Um, for anybody who raised their hand for that second question, I mean, if you, if you know me, then cool, you can find me on Slack or text me, but if you don't know me, I love Love. I would love to be a champion and to support and to like talk to and I just, I love that stuff. And I think it's a beautiful thing and I want to see people be successful and fulfilled and loving what they do.
0: I think many of us grew up with this idea of calling a vocation that comes from Jonah, the story of Jonah, God is going to call you to people that you don't like to say things that you don't want to say with gifts that you don't possess. You've got about 10 years, and then you're going to burn out and be bitter and sit under a tree and be like, I wish I was dead. You know. Um, I think a lot of times, it's, it's in the Bible. Go read it. Jonah chapter 5. Um, it's biblical. Uh, I think a lot of times it's a lot more like the calling of Stephen in Acts. There was a need within the community. Um, and they looked around and said, who's got the qualities? And there was Stephen's this young man filled with the Holy Spirit, like has a tender heart. And they said, this is the guy and God is not so cruel as to call you to something that he would not give you a heart for and that he would not craft you to be able to do. Like, he delights in when you discover the thing, and it may not be your job. There's a difference between job and vocation. Sometimes your job is just a job that empowers you to do the thing you're really called to do, and sometimes you get to do them as the same thing, and that's what's kind of between you and the Lord because I think vocation is the place of play uh, but that's what I want to encourage all of you to is the more that you know yourself through your personality the more you'll be able to discern like what's the thing that God is calling you to do to offer the world out of a place of joy um out of a, a like a sustained ability of like constant discovery uh, and putting something out into the world um, that really brings the kingdom yeah. so and that. Um, thank you, Christina. This is really great. I'm going to invite the the worship, thanks, Rye. The worship band to come up, um, and the engagement team. So we're gonna we're gonna step into a time of worship. Um, and as we're as we're worshiping, like you know, I want you to really think through some of that. I'm going to take some of the questions that you guys sent, um, and maybe I'll I'll respond to some of them like via our social media or, or put something on Slack. But um, I love, maybe, Robert, bring up that last, that last slide that I had on there that's not the Q&A one, um, because I think this is really beautiful. So three of the, like, kind of the titans of the faith. St. Augustine in the 5th century said, grant, Lord, that I might know myself, that I might know thee. Thomas Aquinas. In the 15th century, a humble knowledge of thyself is a surer way to God than a deep search after learning. And then John Calvin in the 16th century, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. And so we live in this era where there's a tremendous amount of self-discovery, which I think is a net positive. Um, it can be misaligned and misappropriated, where we uh, we turn ourselves into gods and we just, just we're overly obsessed with ourselves like our shadow self but there is a path and a beautiful opportunity like I love that humble knowledge to say this is who I am this is how I've I move through the world and to bring that before God and to say, Lord, I'm in need of you. Like, show me what do you desire to amplify in my personality? That's my best contribution to the kingdom. And what are the things that we need to work on that I want to see redeemed as I grow to look more and more like Jesus, the things that are tripping me up, the things that cause me to hurt other people, um, or the things that cause me to shut myself off to you. So I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray. And we'll just um, allow the Lord to do um, some work in you as you're continuing to think through these things. But I think that biggest question, like what has the actual salvific work of Jesus looked like in my life through my personality? And can you just name that and bless that uh, before the Lord? So Father, I thank you for the tremendous diversity that we have in this room. But I thank you so much for the unity that we have in Christ. That he is our head. From whom from him we all derive a sense of self. Through him, we come to understand that we are your beloved. And so, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to move through us in this time of worship, to speak to us about how you see us, about who we truly are, um, about what needs to be redeemed, restored, renewed in each of our personalities, so that we can know not only who we are, but what we're called to do. So bless us as we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at
1: citybeautifulch. We hope you join us again soon.